a playlist original. Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus, Love in the Jungle on Discovery Plus, The Man Who Fell to Earth on Showtime, and Who Do You Believe on ABC. So stay tuned to the end to find out what planet BJ is from. Is that not obvious? No, they have to stay tuned. Okay, well, before we address that planet, let's visit some other planets <laughs> with the latest Star Trek series. Star Trek Strange New Worlds follows Captain Christopher Pike, played by Anson Mount, as he helms the USS Enterprise during the 23rd century as they explore new worlds throughout the galaxy. This series will actually take place a decade before Star Trek the original series and will feature fan favorites including Rebecca Romaine as number one, Christina Chong as as the new number one, and Ethan Peck as science officer Spock. So Me Too, what were your first impressions of seeing Chris Pike come back to his ship and go explore brave new worlds? You and I are not Trekkies. My partner is a very big Trekkie. So when we watched it last night, he was thrilled at these reveals and where they sit in the larger universe of Star Trek. For me, I don't think I had the contextual knowledge for why it was cool that certain characters appeared. Though, I do think that the show had lots of action, lots of intrigue. So even if you were, as I was, very confused with Wikipedia open to follow what was going on, it was still really enjoyable. I agree. It was approachable for a non-Star Trek fan. It was a little confusing at first. Who is this Captain Pike? Why is he in exile? And I feel like there was a lot that happened right before this first First episode that maybe your partner knew about and we just have to roll with it until they give us more clues. But I was okay with that. Yes, it's a spinoff of Discovery. And because it takes place in the decade before the original series, you know, certain things are coming. Like there were certain characters my partner saw last night and he was like, RIP this person, this person's going to thrive because of what you know of the original series. And then after that, I will say that this one feels like it was made for the fans because they really dropped you in. There were reveals where they pan the camera and then someone does a dramatic turnaround. And I think as a viewer, it was indicated to me to be like, there he is or there she is. And I just didn't get it. Like I understood from the way it was filmed that this person is important. But from where they were in the story, I didn't understand. I feel the same way. The only reveal that I recognized was communications officer Ahura played by Cecilia Gooding. I just know that character from the original series and from the latest movies. Everyone else went right over my head when they were like, Dr. Mbinga's here. I was like, sure, okay. Was she the one that was part of the first interracial kiss on television? Mm -hmm. Was that Ahura and Kirk? Mm -hmm. Cool, okay. So yes, that character I'm familiar with. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's the one. That is something about this show. Star Trek is like very intentionally progressive with Discovery and now with Strange New Worlds. You have even more intentional diversity in casting and 
it's always been a show that has been about this almost attempt at utopia where they have these very strict rules for how they engage with each other, how they engage with new worlds. They share food, they share resources, there's redistribution of things, there's not really currency exchanged between them. So it's this really progressive attempt at a world. And what's been interesting in both Discovery and in this series is that they've leaned into violence more in a way that we don't see in other iterations of Star Trek. And I am no Star Trek expert, (laughs) just my partner loves to watch them before bed. So I'm familiar with like the 10 minutes I catch of whatever Deep Space Nine before I drift off. I don't know much about what's going on in any of the other (laughs) series. But this did have more action and violence than I expected from Star Trek. I just remember all the comparisons I've heard between Star Trek and Star Wars, where Star Wars is more about fighting and combat and Star Trek is more about exploration and more philosophical, ethical, moral dilemmas. Yes. But I actually liked the action. I'm not going to lie, guys. I like a good superhero series. So seeing some of these USS Enterprise cadets go fight some aliens that works for me i agree it made it fun we see spock pike and the new number one go to this new planet to complete a mission to recover some people to discover some things to stop some bombs and there's some fighting there's some explosions as they try to accomplish that and i was invested as confused as i was as lost as i was sometimes in the plot i genuinely was invested and i felt the tension i think because of the action because i knew serious things were happening now here's the bigger question Mm -hmm. did anton mount as chris pike get you more invested in the story he's our lead he's our captain people wanted him to come back to this ship for this mission did you care Hmm, that's tough. I think I was more taken with Spock, to be honest, and new and OG number one. Anson Mount as Chris Pike, and this could have been the direction, felt almost too aloof. We learn that he has experienced a traumatic event. And through that is this like brooding, aloof character, because he's now fearing connection with the world and people around him. But it was almost too brooding, too aloof (laughs) to the point where I almost felt like there was a wall between us and getting to know him. I see that. I don't feel strongly about him either way. I think his character was fine. Like you said, he had this experience which leads him to see things, which was a little interesting because I want to know more about what that means for him. But at the same time, it really looks like his whole crew could operate just fine without him. Yes. In fact, they did. They made a lot of calls by themselves. So it brings up the question of what is he adding to this spaceship? He does find, without too many spoilers, a little bit of hope toward the end of the episode. So I wonder if he will come out of his shell more with this newfound reason to engage. You think the people and the love and friendships around him will help him open up? Yeah, So do you want to watch that and more episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus? Sure, why not? I'll watch casually. I appreciate the added action to the Star Trek franchise. And I really liked the cast. So I'll keep watching to see what happens to Captain Pike. How do you feel? I would say if you're not Star Trek Hive, I don't think this is the one you start with because it really does drop you in. For me, 
I would watch again casually too. I'm curious about what happens with Chris Pike. They did a big enough reveal with him that I want to know what happens. But again, if you're not a Star Trek person, I don't think this is the one that brings you in. That's fair. So how about we leave the strange new world in space and go to a strange new world in the jungle? You're talking about Love in the Jungle on Discovery Plus. On this show, single people fed up with the modern dating world do the paleo version of dating. In this social experiment, the cast seeks to answer the question, is the key to finding true love mating like animals rather than dating like humans? And so they test this theory without any verbal communication. And I'd like to add that they have a British narrator as if this (laughs) was a nature documentary. Yeah. It's so silly. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a silly dating show concept. And they picked such a fun mix of people who are willing to accept this and willing to dive into the strangeness that this competition, maybe it's not even a competition, this show requires. You definitely have to be game. And I kept thinking about how awkward it must have been on set. There were times when people were kind of bopping around a little bit, and I hope they were playing music or something to help them open up because otherwise they were just walking up to people, making gestures and just going, mm, 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 like trying to point at things, anything, because they couldn't talk. They had instruments too. That's true. There was like a ukulele or something that (laughs) a couple people were playing. And you each get assigned an animal. So as one of the first activities, the men had to do some test of strength. And one of them was a bee. So when he started doing well in the activity, everyone was like, buzz, 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 buzz. (laughs) So I guess that was allowed. (laughs) Yeah, you can, um, long as you're saying the name of the sound, it's not talking. Someone else was like, beep, beep, beep. Yes. (laughs) Though I will say that people seem to hit it off. I wouldn't say for any character-based reason, because you literally can't talk to each other. It's exclusively just finding someone you're attracted to and going for it uh, physically. But we see Sal and Lindsay immediately have fireworks. Sal being an otter and Lindsay being a tiger, because also each person is assigned an animal. I think they choose the animal, actually. Best resembles their personality. Yes. I thought it was really interesting. I don't know a better word to describe it with these people. (laughs) Found such strong connections. Like you mentioned, people were pairing off pretty quickly. And we do see some confessionals where they do get to talk. And we learn from their personalities. Some of these people really want to find love. Some of these people just want to have fun. Some of these people think everyone's hot and wants to just taste everybody there. Literally. And I think Rachel, the butterfly, just really wanted to talk. She was just every single confessional. She was like, I just wish I could talk. And I wonder how much they were told about the show before they signed up. Sometimes with reality dating shows, they will intentionally not reveal the full plot or the twist or whatever it is. So her reaction specifically made me wonder if they knew what they were signing up for exactly. I think it would be fun if they hid the no talking rule from the contestants. And they do build it in so there is an opportunity. They take on challenges based off of rituals. And this first one is the mustache toad. So the men had to fight each other like toads for dominance to then ask out two women on a date. And when they go on a date, they are allowed to leave the no talk zone and can't talk. 
And they did. I don't know if it's because they were so desperate to talk, build pretty deep connections, not only on the date, because it's two women and a man, and it's pretty heteronormative. So those two women are competing for that man. And the women each connected with the man immediately, and also with each other. It felt like three friends hanging out for a little bit because of how desperate they were to just have some sort of verbal connection. Yeah, after a day of not being able to talk to people you're around all the time. Yeah. I'm sure just being able to say hello was a highlight. They were thrilled. You could tell they were thrilled. As they were starting to cross the threshold back into the no talking zone, one of them stopped and was like, okay, anything else we want to get out before we have to go back? And they were all holding hands, not just the guy holding the women's hand. They were just like, we're three friends. We've just bonded (laughs) from this trauma of not being able to talk. (laughs) And that, to me, is what worked about the show. It was just so fun and funny. And I will say, though, you have to be comfortable with cringe. Like, I am someone who watches something and feels secondhand embarrassment. And when they ply these people with alcohol and give them body paint to get to know each other completely non-verbally, there were some moments that were so cringy that without even realizing it, I was like curled into a ball on my couch. Yes. I think you said there was a lot of secondhand embarrassment. Yes, For me, I didn't feel that. I was just laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're the one to laugh at people. (laughs) Hey, they put themselves out there. They were the ones willing to act like animals on camera, licking, sniffing, rubbing noses. So weird. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm cringing thinking about it. It's so awkward. Hey, they're trying to mate like animals, which is a weird expression because humans are animals, but whatever. (laughs) So... (laughs) despite the odd expressions and uncomfortable at times television do you want to watch more episodes of love in the jungle on discovery plus i think so i guess this is the type of dating show i find most entertaining i would watch again casually to see what other type of animal rituals they want to take on i think i saw something about flamingos in a trailer and i also like their elimination structure it's fun to see those dramatic dynamics especially after no talking. How do you feel? I completely agree. If you have a Discovery Plus account, then I would also recommend watching this again casually. To me, it felt like a very self-aware version of a reality dating show where it's like, we know these people are hot. We know these people just want to hang out or hook up or get to or get to know each other. And you're getting to even the more baser level of that by removing the ability to talk. So they're just literally and figuratively pawing at each other. So how about we go from a show where people aren't allowed to talk to a show where someone is learning to talk (laughs) and in such a frustrating way (laughs) you're talking about the man who fell to earth on showtime this is an update of the 1970s cult sci-fi classic and also based on a book and this show follows a tech magnate named faraday played by chiwetel ejiofor who is actually an alien who arrived on earth at a turning point in human evolution and he's in a fight for survival we also meet the mysterious thomas played by bill nye and the scientist supporting faraday justin played by Naomi Harris, who learns that she may be mission critical for survival. 
So me too. Have you seen the previous iteration or read the book? No, but I know it's a cult classic. And I know specifically people love David Bowie's character in that movie. And that each episode of this show is named after a David Bowie song. Ah, I did not pick up on that. I learned that on Wikipedia. I <laughs> don't know David <laughs> Bowie's discography that well. I did think what a coincidence for this first episode. And I thought maybe that's how they were honoring him. But every episode will be named after or a David Bowie song. Cool, cool. The more you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just here to educate. So what did you think of this interpretation of aliens? We saw some aliens in Star Trek, and now we have an alien who can take on the appearance of a human, came from some very hot planet, and really loves water. There was a clear immigrant subtext. He even calls himself in this flash forward where we see that he goes from naked crash landing on the planet to tech magnate Steve Jobs type figure. He calls himself during that TED talk in the flash forward or TED talk type thing, a immigrant, a refugee, and you feel that vibe as he is trying to navigate being on a new planet, learning new customs, learning the language, understanding why people say things the way that they say things, and also understanding contexts. The way that he spoke in one place didn't work in another place. You know, when he was demanding money at the gold exchange for cash, he couldn't use that same language for a server at a diner asking for a glass of water. He learned... uh how to have good manners the hard way. And I think that that could have looked ridiculous. And at times it was very funny, but it was never so silly because I think the acting was just so good. Yes, it all worked. And I think a lot of that is credit to Naomi Harris as she portrayed Justin, who gets frustrated and annoyed with the alien character. You understand, okay, this alien doesn't know our customs. And this character, Justin, is trying to be helpful, but also is just annoyed. Like, it's a tough situation to watch and be in. And she herself is in a tough situation, which is why she might be feeling sympathetic toward him. We learn she's a scientist. We learn that she was missing something to make some of her science work and that this alien, for whatever reason, knows about that and believes that she is critical for his mission and she needs cash. She might be feeling sympathetic toward him because of issues within her own home. And so she goes along with it for a bit of helping him get to this latitude and longitude that he keeps giving her. Yes, that's the big mystery they build up. So we see in the very beginning, he is successful giving a talk to a big audience. Then we go to see how he landed on Earth and that he's trying to pick up a signal. Justin is important for this plan. What do you think about the mystery they're setting up? Where it's going to go? And does that suck you into the story? I read this review in Vulture that I think captured some of my thoughts about the flashback and flash forward. By giving away the flash forward, it made me more impatient to figure out how he got there, how he goes from an alien crash landing on Earth, not knowing anything, not having a single connection to this Steve Jobs type figure who clearly has tens and hundreds of thousands of acolytes around the world, care about him on social media and are packed a stadium to hear him speak. And I felt almost impatient to figure out how that happened because of that reveal. I find that really interesting and surprising to hear. It didn't bother me as much. Hmm. I mentioned this to me too. Before we started recording, I forgot about his like TED Talk scene. 
So throughout the episode, I was really invested in why is Justin important? What is this signal he's trying to pick up? How do his like alien powers work? And then you see that TED talk again at the end. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is all leading up to something. So that's good that they sucked you in so that you were like lost in the plot. For me, I was intrigued by all of those things. But I also was like, how did he go from guy who can't make syllables to guy who is charming the world on stage. That's why you got to keep watching to find out. So will you keep watching The Man Who Fell to Earth on Showtime? I feel like I'm a record on repeat, but I will watch this show casually as well. I do want to see what happens. I'm in no rush to find out all the answers. There's some good mystery here, but I can be patient. How do you feel? I would say if you're not a sci-fi person, this one isn't for you. I don't think that you would be pulled into this story. However, if you're curious and do want to check it out, I would recommend watching casually. That's what I'll do as well. I actually might take it a step lower. I'd probably watch with like laundry or something because the acting is so good, but the plot was pretty slow. The reason we only talk about Faraday and Justin essentially in this first episode is because most of what we did was watch them drive across a dirt road toward a destination for a mission. All right, BJ. So why don't we go from driving down a dirt road in wherever Justin and Faraday (laughs) were... (laughs) Wherever Justin Faraday were to driving down a dirt road to a remote ranch in Texas. That sounds like what happened in the first episode of Who Do You Believe on ABC. This is a new series that features simultaneous storytelling that takes the viewers through compelling true crime cases from dual perspectives. In each episode, the audience will step into the shoes of two contrasting narratives to hear the recounts directly from the victims and or criminals with never-before-revealed details. Then, it's left up to us, the viewers, to play armchair detective to deduce and piece things together with different versions of the truth and decide who do we believe. In this first episode, we're set up with a whirlwind Texas romance between an alleged killer and an alleged con (laughs) artist, Mark and Charity. Me too. First impressions? (laughs) So this to me felt like the classic Sunday night ABC television I would watch with my mom, like the what would you do type TV where it's clearly built for family or just group discussion afterward. I took so many notes as I watched this as if I were personally going to crack this case. And so I just thought the structure of it really worked because I was following along trying to catch inconsistencies, trying to figure out who might be lying about what I just totally got sucked in. I agree. I think this is a fun twist on these true crime stories. It has those documentary vibes, the like 48 hour vibe of these crimes. But I think seeing both truths and seeing how different they are is what really keeps you engaged because these two people do not agree on pretty much anything besides the fact that they were in a relationship. And that is fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) In the escalation of lies were so good. Like the show was paced so well. So we go from them on their first date, Charity said she never wanted to get married again. And Mark said that he was looking for a mother for his children and a wife. And somehow... After that first date, they still chose to continue to be together and got surprise married. And both of them, again, seemed to not want to be married, but they both were like, Mark wanted it. Charity wanted it. So there's just this escalation of lies from like not liking the engagement ring, not liking getting married, not agreeing on the first date to murder, fraud, 
cons, bigamy. Like there's just so many different things that happen and you're just like, how did we get here? It's just, it was paced so well. I imagine if I were watching this not on Hulu, but with commercials, it would have been even more tension. Yeah, having to pause and just think about Mm -hmm. How much money did he have? How much money do you think he had? And now you said you were poisoned, but there's no evidence that you were poisoned. Yes, they they did perfect cutaways. It was like, and you won't believe what happened after she opened that envelope. And because I watch on Hulu, you learn immediately. But in, if I were watching on regular TV, I would have been like, oh, Lord, what is in that envelope? <laughs> and they just picked a really gripping story and we're not going to spoil all of the lies or truths or surprises Mm -hmm. i think what's really cool is abc is sticking to the title and the premise where they're leaving it up to the viewers to decide they give you the full story from both sides but you still have to decide who do you believe and i'll tell you my theory without giving away too many spoilers okay i think there's two levels One, I think the major crimes they both accuse each other of have a lot of weight, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay. A lot of heft, a lot of evidence there. Interesting. (laughs) And I think for the smaller lies and inconsistencies, to me, it struck me as a series of unnecessary miscommunication or lack of communication, like just a lack of respect to share your opinions. And they just needed at least one person in that relationship to be like, I want to do this. I don't want to do that. And instead, they both just kept doing things because they thought the other one wanted it. So they think they're meeting in the middle when in reality, they're just both upset at every turn. Yeah, they really needed couples counseling. Yeah. Or just to have a conversation. (laughs) They really needed to not be together is really what it was. Step one, don't get together. Yeah, because if he's looking for a mother and wife and she's not looking to get married ever again, guess what? You are incompatible. You are at different stages. Although she says some things later that made it sound like she was fine being a mom. That's true. Uh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is so good. So BJ, do you want to watch more episodes of Who Do You Believe on ABC? This first episode won me over. I'm definitely going to keep watching casually. If every true crime case is as compelling as this one, They've got a hit series. How do you feel? I agree. I was very surprised to see this in our roster of shows to review. It's unlike a lot of the shows we watch. And I ended up, I think, enjoying it the most. And the specific way I want to watch it, and I would recommend to our listeners who like to cook, this is one where I would prop my iPad up and I would just watch it while I'm making a recipe. And I think it would just make the whole thing go by faster. Like I would love to watch it in that way. And I think would be really enjoyable to you too. Good suggestion. Uh, so Mitu, what planet am I from? The listeners have been waiting. I thought you tell us. I want you to give the big reveal. Okay. Well, BJ, you are from Saturn because you ring of joy. (laughs) And you like Sonic. Oh, there's a Sonic and rings on your shirt right now. And in fifth grade, when we did presentations about space, Mm -hmm. Ryan and I presented about the planet Saturn. Oh my gosh. Shout out to Ryan, first thing. Second thing, I called it. That's where you're from. Sure. I would like to visit Saturn. Me too. One day we'll go. Maybe. I'm busy. (laughs) I'm busy that weekend. 
Okay, where can people find more episodes of The Pilot Podcast? All you have to do is head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at thepilotpod, and you can send thoughts, feelings, show recommendations, because every other week we do a show recommended by you, our wonderful listener, to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Ooh, and let us know what planet you're from. Thanks for listening. Bye.